0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Jesus, Our Hope, presented by Pastor Jason Potter on October 22nd, 2017.
1: Buenos dias. That is literally all of the Espanol that I have for you this morning. However, my birthday's coming up in three weeks. (laughs) My birthday's coming up in three weeks. (laughs) Oh, you guys are too nice. And I'd really love the uh, Rosetta Stone Spanish Latin America version. So, for those of you guys who've been banging your heads against the wall trying to figure out just what to get me, there you go. All right, so we're in this series called Jesus Rules. Right, where the focus is that Jesus is our lead pastor, and uh, you know, that's certainly been the heart of Sol Rio since I've been a part of it. Um, I think that when the first times I ever came to Sol Rio was back in 2009, and and Pastor Dan was talking about how our lead pastor is really Jesus, um, right? And, and the heart behind that is that he is our true leader, whose authority rules over this family of believers. Right, we put our everything in him. We look only to his word as our authority. We place no human as a spiritual judge or ruler. Those with the title of pastor are just simply role players, just trying to be obedient to what it is that that God has called us to do. And today's topic is that Jesus is our hope. All right, so today's main passage is coming from Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to be in verses uh, 18 through 28, so let's just jump right into that. By the way, check out my brand new Bible. All right, this one's so much, so much easier to manage up here than that, that thick um, study Bible that I had. If you want one, there's a place just right up the road or right a few doors down called Believer's Christian Gifts. They have a ton of them. They'll, they'll even uh, put your name on it. Just ask for Mike or Jane. All right, and They weren't even here for me to, to, to hear that plug. That's right. All right, verse 18. It says, for on one hand... There is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Mechazelik. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make an intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who was holy, harmless, undefiled, Separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the peoples, for this he did once and for all when he offered up himself for the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever all right. So there's a great contrast. What we have going on right here is this great contrast between the Old Testament ways and the New Testament ways, right? The old covenant versus the new covenant, the old requirements of God's people versus the new ones, right? And the scripture is pretty clear that our hope is in Jesus, right? He is our high priest that lives forever. The old commandments have been annulled because they are weak and useless, now, although the commandments in themselves are good things, right, what makes them weak and useless is they are incapable of saving anyone or bringing an inward change of the hearts and the individuals. That can only be done through Jesus. And verse 19 calls um, Jesus our better hope through which we draw near to God. Now keep that in mind, drawing near to God. We're going to come back to that. And you know what else was part of the Old Testament? The old covenant that has been annulled? The Ten Commandments. The Old Testament was replaced by the New Testament, which was brought by Jesus Christ himself, and part of the Old Testament was the Ten Commandments. But before you go making plans to go around lying and stealing, understand that the teachings of Jesus himself reiterated nine of the Ten Commandments, meaning that uh, they're also part of the New Testament. The only one that was not taught upon by Jesus was setting aside a Sabbath day, which we are to do no work. And that's why you won't find many uh, Bible-based uh, churches out there teaching their congregation to not accept jobs where you have to work on Sundays. Right? That was part of the Old Testament. All right, just a side bit of information. Um, picking back up in verse 20, right, it says, "Speaking upon, and this is speaking upon the greatness of Jesus as this new priest. Right? He was established with an oath, for the Lord has sworn him to be the priest forever. Contrast that with the Old Testament, where Aaron's descendants were priests without an oath. The NLT version of verse twenty-two says, "says because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God." So again, we see Jesus is our hope. Continuing with the contrast, verse twenty-three states that there were many priests, but death prevented them from continuing as priests. And it's believed that there were eighty-four high priests from that served from Aaron all the way until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And there were many, many more lower priests under that. But all of the priesthoods were short-lived because they're dead. They died. Um, But the priesthood of Jesus will last forever because Jesus lives forever. The God that we serve is alive in this very world today and unlike what couldn't take place through the old requirements he is able Jesus is able to save all those that come to God through him and we can place all of our hope in Jesus because of the very reason that these final uh, verses detail for us he is our high priest he is holy he is harmless undefiled above all sin he does not need to offer up sacrifices he does not need to first atone for his own sin before he can address the sins of his people. He offered himself up as a perfect sacrifice that brought to end all other sacrifices once and for all. The law was weak because the priests were men who were weak. So God appointed his son Jesus, who has been made the perfect high priest forever. So his son Jesus is our only true hope. Now all of that is pretty clear from scripture, right? Everything that we just went over can easily be found in footnotes, study Bibles, various translations. And there's not a whole lot of theological insight to be added to what has already been made clear through the scripture. And that was intimidating to me. It really was. I actually prayed about this. I was like, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to get up here and talk about these passages, but what do I say? Right, obviously, I can't add to Scripture. The Bible is very clear that it's, uh, it's completeness in itself. Right, but how do I even shed additional light on this? Right, I've never went to seminary. I haven't been a student for, of the Bible for near as long as many people in this conversa- uh, congregation, especially those of you who are really old. All right, I, didn't, uh, I really didn't say that when I was praying to God. I just threw that in there. I just threw that in there now. Um, but seriously, what can I say that hasn't been already made clear in these passages themselves? Right? And then God reminded me of something. Right? God wants so much more from us than just the understanding of Scripture. A couple of Wednesdays ago, we wrapped up this series that we were doing at Underground uh, called Symbols and Signs, or Signs and Symbols, one of the two. And the series was all about the way that God has and does use symbols and signs in the heavens to communicate with us in the world today. Right? And then we, we closed it with a video from Francis Chan about being called into a deeper relationship with God. Right? The point being that no matter how cool and interesting that to, it is to learn about all the ways that God communicates with his people, about all the signs in the heavens, right? that if we don't use this information to respond to God in the way that he calls us to respond, then we're missing it. We're missing the whole point. It becomes useless information. God gives us this information and calls us to respond. And that's no different than today's passages from Hebrews 7. It's pretty clear that the main point of these passages was that our hope was never to be found in the laws or in human priests. Our hope forever is to be found in Jesus. But all that is is head knowledge. Right? It only takes a minimal amount of effort to understand this truth. Now, understanding God's word is extremely critical to what we believe. Let's not minimize that. Right? It's the root of everything that, uh, that our faith is built on. But a mere understanding of it, if we just leave it at that, right, it becomes useless head knowledge. So there's a claim to be made with this information. Simply understanding it is not enough. It's just like sharing the gospel. And you know, when we go out there and we share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody who is not saved, right, there's an evangel- uh, Evangelical. Thank you. I was, I'm really good at pronouncing that word. I'm a little bit uh, ner- tongue-tied here. but <laughs> um, There's a mindset to it, right? And, and that must be communicated. the goal is to make clear that in order to be saved, we must actually know Jesus, not just know of Jesus. Right? It's, it's not enough just to know about Jesus, but we must accept him as the Savior from our sins and have a relationship with him. Right? We each have to claim his authority over our lives. And that should be the root message when sharing the gospel with someone else. And likewise, regarding today's passages... Right? It's not enough to simply know that Jesus is our hope. Right? There's a claim to be made with this. We have to make it personal. We have to claim Jesus as our true hope. And that gets missed. Right? When, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, that gets missed. Our culture will point us in so many other directions to find our hope. And we're all guilty of it. Right? This video that we watched at Underground focused a lot on Exodus 33. So if you're flipping through your Bibles, I think we're going to have them on the screen as well, but if you're flipping through your Bibles, turn to Exodus 33, and we're just going to read the first three verses verses here. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey for I will not go up in your mist lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. Uh-oh. That last part is harsh. And he says, I will not go up in your midst, lest I will consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. I will destroy you along the way. And we can all imagine people who make us feel that way, right? We genuinely care for them. We want good things for them. We're willing to do good for them and to give them things yourself at your own expense. But no way are you getting in a car and going on a 12-hour road trip with them. Right? So-and-so is such a great person, I'd literally give the shirt off my back for him. But if you make me get in a car and drive to Disneyland with him, I will kill him. I will destroy him. I'd rather just stay here. Right? Doesn't it sound like that's what God is saying here? Right? He says, I want you to have this land that I've promised. I'll even send my angel before you to drive out your enemies to make sure that it's safe for you. Right? You don't have to do anything except for go, right? make the journey. And when you arrive, it will be flowing with milk and honey. Now go and have it. But I ain't going with you. I'm not going to make the travel with you. I won't be there myself because you are stubborn and rebellious people. You are stiff-necked. I will consume you. I will destroy you. Can you imagine how humbling that would be if you received that message directly from God? But that's what's going on here in Exodus 33. That's where they find themselves. But the point is in how Moses responds. Look what Moses says in verse 15. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses said, I don't want to go without you. If you don't personally go with us, then don't make us go at all. Verse 16 in the NLT version says, it's your presence among us that sets your people apart. Moses understood that it's God's presence that mattered. It wasn't wasn't what he was willing to give them or what he was willing to do for them. It's all about the relationship that God is willing to have with us, which is where we find our hope. And Jesus provided that by defeating death and forgiving our sins. But if God said directly to us, if he asked you directly, here, go to this paradise where you'll find all of these marvelous things, right? It's this perfect place that I've been wanting you to have, and it will be safe, and you will be blessed. But one thing, I'm not going with you, right? My presence will not be there. How many of us would be like, well, okay, right? I'm out of here. I'm on my way. We'd have our phones out. We'd be looking at our GPS app, trying to find the quickest route how to get there, right? Later, God, we'd be okay with that. And that's scary to think about. It really is because I think that there are more people in the church today who might not be willing to admit it, but there's more people today that would be okay with that, right? If if God said, here, have this wealth. Here's your dream life that you've always wanted, right? Take all of these dream vacations. Set aside this money so that you never have to worry about finances again. Be comfortable in your beautiful home And eat these delicious meals every day. I'll just go away and be somewhere else while you enjoy life. I think that many Christians would give that some serious consideration. But not Moses. Moses said, not without you, Lord. His hope and assurances were in who God is. Not in what God was willing to give him. All right, so if we're going to make this true claim to the hope of, that we have in Jesus Christ, we have to start by seeking who Jesus is and what it means to have his presence in our lives. Not what we think that he wants us to have or what he wants to offer us. Right, but if you've never experienced the true presence of Jesus Christ, that might not be so easy to do. Right, I've heard someone say as much. Right, they admitted that they just don't get it. And I think that's great that he was honest about it instead of just pretending, right, instead of just faking it because he thought that that's what the church expected from him. He was able to make himself vulnerable and admit what he was struggling with. Right? He's willing to say that he's never had that experience of feeling, uh, feeling God's presence. He hears people talk about it, but he, he's never experienced it himself. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about atheists or people who are unsure of their beliefs or trying to discover what, it, what this stuff means. I'm talking about Bible-believing, church-attending, generous-giving Christians. Bless you. Right? And I can understand how it was hard for him to see the difference between God's blessings and his presence without having actually experienced it for himself. And it's, it's not hard for us to picture that concept with one another, though, right? And people joke all the time or, or make funny comments, that you know, with my life insurance, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. And from a monetary standpoint, that's actually true with a lot of us. You know, and it certainly is for me. If I were to leave this earth tomorrow, Michelle would be financially set for the rest of her life. And when I'm, well, actually, let me back up. I know her spending habits, right? <laughs> right. But she would, she would definitely be set for a couple of years, <laughs> probably. <laughs> and when I'm at home, right, and I'm being goofy, and I make uh, a joke about her collecting on me, um, she gets mad, right? It's not funny to her. She seriously gets mad at me. And her mindset is, what would I do with all that without you? Right, a few years ago, a few of us went up to Navajo Lake to, to fish for salmon. October is salmon season. And it was, it's freezing up there in mid-October. Right? So, so Rance took his motorhome up there, and we were just hanging out and visiting uh, one evening. I think there was Rance, uh, Jay, Cody... Jared, myself, we were all just sitting in the motorhome, just visiting, and Rand shared with us some of the future plans that him and Callie have of traveling in Bob. Now, Bob is the name of the motorhome, right? That's important. That's important to know. One one night uh, after a youth group, I was taking Sierra home, and we turned the corner, and right away, she gets all excited. She's all, Bob's here. Well, first of all, it's pitch dark. Second of all, we just turned the corner. So who in the world is Bob, and how in the world do you know that he's here? Well, Bob's a motorhome, and you could certainly see him from, from far away. Um, right, but more recently, uh, Kelly had asked how Michelle and I are adjusting to being empty nesters, and with that coming upon herself here pretty soon, she shared some more plans that they have in traveling in Bob. Um, you know, so, some things that, uh, some trips that they want to take together, but the focus of their plans are not about Bob. Right? It's for them to be together, for them to travel together. I cannot imagine any possible scenario where Rance would tell Kelly, here, I've made all of these awesome reservations for these, these great campgrounds for the next two years, and I've prepaid for all of them. Everything in the motorhome is taken care of. Right? Everything's good to go. You'll be completely safe. Here's a prepaid gas card, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, and here, take this big wad of cash so that you can have everything that you need and desire. And this cash, and this cash. Right? <laughs> Apparently, in this scenario, Rance isn't very organized with his, with his cash. <laughs> right? But he empties out all his pockets. He gives her everything, and he says, "Go, you and Bob hit the road and have the time of your life." Right? I'm just going to stay here. I'll just hang back here. Right? Kelly would think that he lost his mind. She'd be like, I'm "Not without you. There's no way I'm doing this stuff without you." Forget about Bob. Right. For Kelly, these plans are about Rance, and for Rance, these plans are about Kelly. And we get that, right? That's not hard for us to imagine. We can all relate to that on some level, and it doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be siblings, your kids, parents, close friends, whatever. Right? We can all relate to the fact that many of the relationships that God has given us triumphs over material items, and we would never imagine choosing such over the fellowship and the presence of someone that we love. Yet when it comes to God, we struggle to see that. Right? So many Christians wrestle with that. What is the desire of my heart? The things that Jesus can give to me? Or is my desire Jesus himself? Is my ultimate hope in his promises... Or is my hope knowing that one day, very soon, I'll get to walk with him for all of eternity? A few years ago, before I ever felt like God was calling me into ministry, Floyd had asked me to share my testimony at men's breakfast. And everything was just so new and fresh to me. You know, I had just gone to my first men's retreat, where I was uh, introduced to Pastor Jerry, and I got my my hands on his Quiet Time book. Michelle and I had just started a, a re-link, and we completed Forty Days in the Word by Rick Warren. You know, just a side note here: if your small group has not done Forty Days in the in the Word, I highly recommend it. It was absolutely life changing for us. But when it came to giving my testimony, I was doubtful because I didn't have this story of overcoming some unthinkable adversity like so many that I've heard. You guys know those stories, right? Somebody just has this, facing this, this challenge, uh, whether it's self-inflicted or not, right? This thing that they, they can never overcome on their own. They give their life to Jesus. They commit to serving God and all of a sudden they're just a new person, just like that. Right, and it's legit. It's genuine, and it's it's powerful to hear that kind of stuff. But I didn't have that. Right, mine. Mine was just a simple story of a changed heart. It was a heart that God was able to change, just by spending, just by simply spending some time with Him nearly every single day. Right, that was my commitment. As I just committed, I started with five minutes a day. I just committed. I'm going to spend time with God. Every single day, that five minutes turned into 15 minutes, turned into 25 minutes, turned into 45 minutes, right? I was committed to it and he was able to change my heart by changing the way that I think, right? That resulted in bringing my stress level in life to an all-time low, right? Brought the joy in my life to an all-time high. And this was my ending statement. As I said, spending time with God has become the priority of my life. I was truly seeking his presence and nothing more. I wasn't asking what he has to offer me. I was just seeking to spend time with him. Now, I wish I could stand here today and say that that's still true. Right? More often than not, way too often, I feel as though I've lost that priority in my life. That genuine, sincere, heart-seeking presence of God is too often replaced by so many other things. Right? Even inside the church... All this stuff that we think God wants us to do. It's all useless works if we're trying to go on this journey without the presence of our Savior. So we've looked at two different mindsets. First, uh, those who don't know what it means to experience the presence of Jesus and who are willing to admit that they just don't get it. Second those who have lost seeking his presence as a priority of their life. Only God knows where you are at personally. And maybe it's neither. Right? maybe right now, as you sit here this morning, you are as solid as ever in your relationship with Christ. Right? Maybe you, you know what it means in to put into practice seeking God continuously. And if that's so, then look around and see that most people are actually struggling with that in one way or another. And ask God what he'd have you do to help your fellow Christian on, on their journey. But as individuals, if we're going to stake our claim into Jesus as our hope, right, we have to get to a place in our hearts where we're willing to say, not without you, Lord. These wonderful things of this world, all these gifts that you give us, these things that we love so much that we hold on to, I don't want any of it unless you're right here with me, unless your presence dwells inside of me. All right, so how do we get there? Well, only God can lead us there. Jesus is our lead pastor. Right? He's the one that can lead us to where he's calling us to go. So we have to call out to him for that guidance. In the Old Testament, Nobody found those answers through the human priest, through Aaron or any of his descendants or any of the laws, right? That's why God sent his son Jesus is to be our guide, to be our lead pastor, to be our hope. So let's call out to him for that guidance. All of the answers and encouragement that we could ever ask for come directly from his word, right? But we have to look into it. We have to get in the habit of daily opening up our Bibles and seeing what he's telling us. Psalm one forty five eighteen says that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Church, he's here. His presence is here this morning. He's just waiting for us to call upon him. I'd like to close this morning by sharing something from this devotional book called Jesus is Calling. It says, never take for granted my intimate nearness. Marvel at the wonder of my continual presence with you. Even the most ardent human lover cannot be with you always, nor can another person know the intimacies of your heart, mind, and spirit. I know everything about you, even the number of hairs on your head. You don't need to work at revealing yourself to me. Many people spend a lifetime or a small fortune searching for someone who understands them. Yet I am freely available to all who call upon my name, who open their hearts to receive me as Savior. The simple act of faith is the beginning of a lifelong love story. I, the lover of your soul, understand you perfectly and love you eternally. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Let's pray. Father God, we're here this morning, Lord, and we're just asking for you to reveal your presence to us. Make your presence so known to us, Lord, that we cannot deny that you are here with us in this very moment. Lord, help us to be the church that seeks you and only you above all else. Trusting that good works and good things will come from that. But our first love, Lord, is you. Help us discover what that means. Lead the way for us, Lord. Lord. I pray for anybody who's never felt that presence, Lord, who's never experienced that for themselves, that they're experiencing that right now in this very moment. Lord, we know that you work in your time and you reveal your way to those of us in your own special, unique way. But if it is your will, please reveal yourself to us this morning. And those of us that do know what that's like, Lord, but we lose it. Right? We get caught up in the world, we get caught up in in so many things that you never intended for us, or at least not the way that you intended it for us. But I just pray that you you help us renew that heart, that sincere, genuine heart that just wants to seek your face, wants to seek your presence. Lord, we have no hope without you. Your son Jesus is our true hope. Not only because your word says that, because it's the only thing that makes sense, Lord. Every other route that we've ever tried in this life to find hope has always led us to disappointment. Nothing ever turns out how we imagine it will be except for you, Lord. You're the only rock, the only truth, the only place for us to stand forever. Please be the cornerstone of our lives. Guide us in every direction. And let us do it all for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at SolRio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737, or email us at info at Solrio, At Sol Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community we invite you to go with us on this journey.